September 7th. I didn't record yesterday. I was stuck at my car dealer all day. Pretty much all day after I went to work. Um, so I'm recording today. I just woke up, so I still have my my uh, groggy morning voice. So I hope that doesn't sound too bad over the audio. Um, should be pretty quick today. I saw some stuff the past few days that I found really interesting. Um, and then there's something last night. Um, I'm going to start off recommending something though. I went to see, uh, it with my brother the other day and it was amazing. I, I, whoever saw the first part, um, of the, the new version, um, and was maybe on the fence, I would recommend definitely going to see the second part. Um, it was, it was just good. It was really good. Um, the, the new movies are totally different than, like in their delivery and how they present the characters and everything, then the old version is, it's completely different. Um, on top of that, I also finished, um, that Dan Harris book that I was reading. It took me like two or three months to finish it. It was the meditation for fidgety skeptics. I'm going to be doing a podcast soon. Um, just about that book and about meditation. Um, so yeah, I would, I would recommend that book right now as well. I'm also reading, um, the new book I'm reading is The Four Agreements. Um, I can't remember who wrote that one, but Pat recommended that book to me and I've seen it online a bunch of places. So um, I, I bought the uh, the author's box set that he has of a couple of his books. So I'm going to go through those next, um, which I, I will also assume would end up being a recommend. Um, the bulk of what I think... I was going to talk about today were these two things that I saw yesterday when I woke up. Um, the first one was, uh, everyone knows that I'm a Saints fan. If you've listened to this before, um, when I've had Pat on, we usually talk about sports. Um, but Drew Brees, and let me pull up some more details on here. So Drew Brees is, I would say he's the least problematic dude in the entire NFL. Um, he kind of just goes on the field, plays the game, and then like gets off the field. Um, and if you follow him on social media, he's always posting stuff with his family, doing stuff for the New Orleans community. Um, just a, a good dude. And I'm pretty sure that everyone knows that he's religious. Um, but let me pull up this link here. So he did a video in some way. I, I've seen some stuff that said that it was a, a video of him speaking that focus on the family used. I see some stuff that says that he did the endorsement directly through them, um, for the ad, uh, you know, you can never get the actual story on mostly anything anymore. Um, but apparently this focus on the family organization, um, is anti-LGBTQ and they, um, they've donated money towards organizations for, um, like their, their support of conversion therapy in the past. And, um, I'm just trying to see where it can, someone wrote an article that had, I read the headline and I wish I could find it, um, because it was really misleading, um, but it was basically saying that like Drew Brees supported conversion therapy and that he didn't like LGBTQ people. Um, so he went on Instagram and took a video of himself saying that he didn't like support 
any of that ideology and that he believes in like equality and that everyone should be able to live their own life. Um, what he said in the video, I kind of remember what he said. I can't even fucking find it anymore. Um, he said something about like, if a kid wants to, they should be able to bring their Bible to school. Um, I mean, which is fine. Like, I'm not religious, but if I was in school and someone brought a Bible, like, how, how is it going to affect anyone if they just bring a Bible to school or any sort of religious document to school? Um, Drew Brees addresses his national Bring Your Bible to School Day video that appeared on Focus on the Family platforms. He said he was not aware of the group's anti-LGBT views. He says, hey, it goes against everything being a Christian's all about. Um... I would say that, I mean, I've seen a lot of religious and Christian people do weird shit on the internet, especially on Twitter. Um, but I wouldn't really say that Drew falls into that category just based off of like what I've seen him do online, um, and on TV as a person, as an athlete, as a, a leader. Um, I got to defend my quarterback too, man. But, um, Let's see what this says. Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. So here it is. Uh, Breeze Troubled appeared to begin Wednesday when Big Easy Magazine, a progressive publication in New Orleans, published a story titled Drew Breeze Records Video for an Anti-LGBT Religious Organization. The article not only reported on the promotional video, but also found evidence that Breeze has interacted with Focus on the Family dating back to 2010, which he would because it's a Christian organization and he's a Christian dude. So it kind of makes sense that if you're like a high profile guy that's religious, that you would interact with a religious organization. Um, NFL star was swiftly called out by critics. Many struggled to understand how the vocal anti-bullying advocate who's TV host and gay rights activist Ellen DeGeneres has repeatedly fawned over could link himself to a group that some consider to be one of the worst LGBTQIA plus bullies in the country. Focus on the family previously partnered with uh, former NFL quarterback Tim Tebow in 2010 for an anti-abortion ad that aired during the Super Bowl. Um, Focus on the family makes its views on LGBTQ issues clear numerous posts on its website. In one article, the group wrote that same-sex marriage has no place. Within the context of a Christian worldview, um, which uh, the world is not, uh, the world is not Christian. Okay, so basically what I'm trying to say with all this stuff is that, like, I, I don't, even though I'm not religious myself, and I never will be, um, I don't have a problem with Drew Brees or anyone else being religious. Um, it doesn't mean that they support everything that anyone that has ever been religious supports. I think I see people get like lumped into categories all the time on the internet and it's like if you're a Christian you're bad if you support this you're bad if you do this you're bad and it's just not the case like he said he didn't know you know like if he's in the headspace that like I don't know what I believe in is normal it's okay so if other people believe in it and they present it to me in a way that I believe it then it's cool you know, but it's not like someone's going to come out with their entire resume. Hey, do this ad for us. You know, we're, we're Christian, blah, 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 blah. By the way, we support conversion therapy. Like it's, it, they're not going to come out with all that. They're, it, maybe it's, it's in the history somewhere 
on on the internet where there's an article written or something presented that they donated money to an organization that was for conversion therapy. But it's like, unless he had acknowledged that in the past and then did the ad with them, like, then that would be a big deal. But if he wasn't aware... And he even comes out and says that like he doesn't condone any of that stuff. I mean, even though people aren't going to listen, um, I I don't see an issue with it. I mean, he's like the most he's like the most genuine dude I can think of. Really, I can't really think of anyone else right now. Um, Big Easy Magazine, Twitter, September fifth, twenty nineteen. The last thing we wanted to do was defame Drew Brees. The publisher's always been a fan. It's di- it's disappointing that you'd spin this in a way to suggest our publication is pushing clickbait. I was your fan. The alliance you chose hurt a lot of people. Your apology would have been accepted if you hadn't attacked us for clickbait. We were very hurt by your actions. I mean, they're... Reggie Bush, anyone who doubts Drew Brees' character, believes bogus headlines about this man doesn't know him, period. He's a great father, husband, leader... And most of all, true man of God. <laughs> Others were less sympathetic and ripped Brees for his argument that the media was at fault. Disappointed in Drew Brees for not doing a better job of researching a group with which he aligned himself. One person tweeted, I'm doubly disappointed that he chose to blame the messenger rather than owning up to his own failure. Well, he, he said that he wasn't aware. <laughs> and that was kind of that's kind of owning up to it right there. He wasn't aware. Um, smeared their stories, clickbait, and then pleaded guilty to being ignorant about focus on the family. The user tweeted, own your mistakes. Well, he didn't own his mistakes. He was ignorant about what they were doing. It's like, there, there's always a... I like to relate it to... Um, I, I remember in Parks and Rec a lot, or maybe like The Office. Um, in Parks and Rec, they would have like these town hall meetings. And like... Amy Poehler's character would be at the front with like Aziz Ansari's character, whoever. And they would propose something to like the town and all the people from the town would start like shooting out suggestions and it would be something like totally unrelated to um, like whatever the focus was that they wanted to talk about in that town hall meeting. And so they'd be like, you know, we're not... We're not really focusing on that right now, but, you know, we could, we could talk about it later. Like it's completely unrelated to what's going on. And like, then everyone in the meeting would jump on what that one person said and they would all start suggesting that same thing. And they're like, well, that's not what we're doing right now. And it was just like a, there's like a disconnect as to like each party is like completely like one has an idea of what's going on. The other idea or the, the other side has an idea of what's going on, but it's like, they're not meeting in the middle. You know, there's like a disconnect. Like, this is what we're trying to say. This is what you guys are trying to say. And like, you're not, you're, you're just not hearing us for the sake of not hearing us. It's just like, when you see people apologize for stuff, like a genuine apology, I just don't get how people can't listen to it and like actually read into what the person's saying. Like if Drew Brees said that he was ignorant to what, focus on the family was about that is owning his mistake so if you if you go on and say that you he pleaded guilty to being ignorant about focus on the family and then they follow that up with own your mistakes but he did so it's like i don't get 
what the disconnect is there. I think it's just people like just almost being ignorant to the fact that someone's owning up to their mistake just so they could basically like they can overshower their support for something. It's like you don't need to be like overly obvious about that. You know, if someone comes out and says they're ignorant about something, which haven't we all been at some point, that is owning your mistake. You're saying I wasn't aware. I didn't educate myself enough on the situation. Um, so that's why this all happened in the first place. That's owning your mistake. Um, along with this, I also saw a bunch of stuff about um, Toronto opened their uh, first Chick-fil-A location last night or yesterday. And people did a, what did they call it? It was called a die-in. Um, and this was, let me find, what's a legitimate, eh, whatever, I'll just go to complex. Um, they did a die-in, which was a bunch of people just laying in front of the Chick-fil-A um, to protest both um, the the anti-LGBTQ views that they think Chick-fil-A ownership has, um, as well as vegan people protesting, um, you know, chickens dying to make sandwiches. Um, the chicken, uh, this is on complex, by the way. The chicken news continues today with word that the launch of Toronto's first Chick-fil-A was presumably as expected met with protests due to the brand's history of LGBTQ actions. Um, I've seen some shit that they've donated to religious groups. And again, religious groups that support anti-LGBTQ efforts, which to be entirely honest in 2019, like the, the phrase anti-LGBTQ efforts doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I just don't understand, like I, maybe I'm just blind to it because I'm not involved in like the entire world of like, you know, just the, the shit that LGBTQ people go through. And that may simply be the case for this, but I don't understand how there could be such thing as like a legitimate anti-LGBTQ effort anymore, or like an anti-LGBTQ, anti-anything really, um, effort anymore, unless it's like an anti-racism or anti-white uh, nationalism or anti-white supremacy, all the bad stuff, like unless it's an anti-bad stuff movement. I just don't get how it works. Like, how can you have a movement that's anti two people of the same sex wanting to be together? It just, it, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, just thinking about the phrase itself and like how that would work. Like, I understand that you can somehow lobby for stuff like that, but like, and especially with the whole church and state thing, like just because you donate to a church that isn't, well, obviously a church, like, by by design is going to be anti-LGBTQ because the, the scripture that they base their lifestyle off of says that they should be. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that everyone... I'm sure if you went to a church today that wasn't filled with maybe a bunch of really old people, a lot of them would say, like, oh, yeah, no, we're... We're totally fine with all that stuff. We don't even care. But 
then they would stick with a lot of other shit that's in the Bible that, I mean, that's kind of acceptable to me, um, as like a worldview, um, if, if someone were to say that, but, um, and again, I, I read into this and there was stuff that said that the owners of the chain had donated money to organizations that were anti-LGBTQ, that supported the conversion therapy again, um, and that could very well be the case, but I'm going to play devil's advocate and say maybe they donated to, to the religious groups because of other things unrelated to the conversion therapy and the anti-LGBTQ efforts. Um, I mean, we're all guilty of this, if you really want to be honest about it. We're all guilty of shopping from giant retailers and corporations like Target and Walmart, um, Wegmans, um, what else, Amazon. I don't know. Where do you buy your stuff from? Um, I would say unless you're making it for yourself, you've you've given money to someone who's done bad things at some point. I, I made the joke last night that um, in a few years, people are going to get called out for dating someone who like used plastic straws at some point. Like it's just going to be weird. And so you really got to look at like what was the point behind their donation or their support of a group? Was it because of these bad things like the anti-LGBTQ or the the endorsement for conversion therapy? Is it bad stuff like that? Or is it good stuff like maybe they put the money back into a community? Um, shit like that. I, I think that people really need to start looking into the finer details of things rather than just looking down the list of like, what comprises of a certain organization or business or group and see like, okay, what, what do they do that's good? What do they support that's bad? Or what do they stand for that's bad? And then what do they actually do that's bad? Um, I mean, that might sound wrong to some people, but just the way I look at it, like I love Chick-fil-A. I'm never not, unless I went vegan, I just wouldn't go to Chick-fil-A anymore. I would never be one of those vegans that like protests outside of restaurants. I think it's a massive waste of time. You standing outside with a, a, a sign that says like, I don't know, stop killing chickens, whatever. Or like we shouldn't eat meat, animals are our friends, shit like that. Like it's totally cool. And I respect people's uh, opinion on that. Um, but like I would never be the person to stand outside of a company with a sign, I, I remember there's there's a Planned Parenthood in Greece, in New York here, and I was driving down, it was a few years ago, um, Ridge Road, and there was like two or three people outside that were like holding signs, and I'm like, what? what is your, like, n- no one is going to drive by and see someone holding a sign and be like, you know what, they're right, like, it's, it, it, I, I don't know, I, I would just, I, I don't understand the whole sign holding thing. People pretty much got their opinions made up. And if someone's going to change their mind on something, it's going to be something way more influential, a more influential experience rather than just seeing people hold signs. Um, and the lines for the Chick-fil-A were going around blocks, like city blocks in Toronto. Um, so clearly it wasn't working. I I saw a video of people laying in front of the doors at Chick-fil-A and there was people walking around them to get in. So it's like, you're just annoying people. 
And then a lot of them are probably saying, hey, let's come back tomorrow. But I will guarantee you, other than maybe the people that were wearing the MAGA hats in the Chick-fil-A line that were probably just there to be assholes, let's be honest. Um, they're just there because they think the food's good. Like no one's walking in there saying, yes, I'm going to buy a chicken sandwich as my endorsement for anti-LGBTQ. And the problem is, if you see someone go into a Chick-fil-A, there's people that would say that person doesn't like gay people. Um, that person supports all these bad things. It's just probably not true. Like they just want a fucking chicken sandwich because they think that it tastes good. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, I, I I really don't know what to say. Um, it, it's just kind of a weird... <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I guess like I read something a while back that I think it was like Target and some other company um, gave money to like a, a Trump campaign or some sort of effort that he was doing. And it's like, okay, but when I shop at Target, I'm shopping there because I like the shit that they carry. Like they have phenomenal in-house branding. They have all these own little uh, clothing suppliers and um home goods suppliers that they have in their store and they make really good shit and I like it. So I'm going to buy it, but that's not my endorsement for any sort of social or political movement. Like I'm just, if I buy a fucking succulent, a fake plant, that's not me saying that I like the president. That's just me buying the fucking plant because I like the plant. Like, I don't know. I think that people just make way too big of a deal about some shit now. And I get that like what they're making a big deal about is incredibly relevant. But at the same time, it's like, you got to understand that if there's a company that has people that are doing bad things, like there, there's an effort to get companies to pay people more now because it's believed that they're not being paid enough to live a, a decent life, to have a living wage. Um, like that's that's a good thing. But like to protest a company because of something that their religion believes in. Like, and a lot of these people just, they aren't religious in the first place. So by protesting, you're saying that you find their religion as a legitimate threat to something. But if you don't believe in it and you think that it's all a joke in the first place, what's the point of protesting it? If you just, if you think it's a laugh anyways, um, that's how I look at it. Like I've said before, like being the whole like libertarian centrist kind of like I'm kind of in the middle on everything. It's like maybe I sound like I don't care about this stuff, even though I do. But I'm just I look at it from both sides and I try to find a reason in it. And when I can't, I'm just like, if you want a fucking sandwich, go get a fucking sandwich. Like your sandwich isn't a endorsement for anything. It's just a fucking sandwich, you know. Ugh. All right, I got one more thing. If you want a fucking sandwich, get a fucking sandwich, people. I've seen the the Chick-fil-A's that I've gone to, there's been a few times where I've seen gay couples in there. And they're everyone's treated the same. It's not like the, it's not like the employee handbook says to fucking throw food in their face. Like everyone's treated the same. No one's disrespected at all. Like it's Look at it this way. Fuck what the CEOs think. They're not going to go and close all their chains because then they would make no money. The, the people that own each individual branch are people that are like our age or just a little bit older. 
they're all for this shit. Like they're totally fine with everything. So it's like you're not walking into like a fucking rally when you go to buy a sandwich. You know, you're just walking into a restaurant. Yeah, the lines are long, but they're long for a reason because the food's good. That's why people are there. They're not there to fucking make a stand about anything. And if they are, then they're just annoying and like just ignore them. It's really all you need to do. Um, one last thing here for in recent news. I've talked about Tim Ferriss on the podcast before. Um, I'm just going to pause this for a second. Excuse me. All right, I'm back. Uh, I've talked about Tim Ferriss on the podcast before. Um, some of the books that he's written, some of the stuff that he's posted on his YouTube page, blogs that he's written, whatever. But I was surprised to see, um, I wasn't surprised, I was kind of excited to see this article the other day that um, Tim put some money forward as well as a bunch of his other rich friends to um, get Johns Hopkins to research into psychedelics such as mushrooms, psilocybin type stuff. Um, so basically the reason he said that he has macro reasons and personal reasons for doing it. Um, I've heard, what was the guy's name? Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan talked about mushrooms quite a bit. He's kind of like a mushroom expert. I think he wore a hat that was made out of a mushroom on the show. Um, so he's like, he's probably like the guy to talk to about this stuff. Um, but he is someone who like microdoses psilocybin, um, and said that it's got like great cognitive benefits to it. Um, productivity benefits, uh, I think physical activity as well. Uh, but just a number of benefits. And I pulled up this article from the New York times. Um, think what you will. And, um, Oh, Jesus, did this scroll on its own? What the fuck? I had the thing pulled up here. Um, you know, pros and cons of psychedelics aside, um, I think that the one benefit that rich people do have is that they can kind of get access to stuff like this without it being entirely frowned upon um, or really criticized. Um I think Sam Harris has spoken about it before, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan. Um, I'm sure the list is way, way, way longer. Uh, but Ferris organized half the $17 million in commitments and contributed more than $2 million of his own money uh, for the new Johns Hopkins Center. Uh, he approached wealthy friends who he knew had an interest in mental health. The new venture, he said he told them, truly has a chance of bending the arc of history. Uh, and he spent nearly five years looking at and testing options in the space to find the right bet. Um, Tim Ferriss is a really smart guy. Uh, you could really gather that from just listening to one of his podcasts or watching one of his videos. He takes the time to really uh, read into things and try them out and demonstrate them in his own life. And then he kind of figures out what the best way is. Like he does advertisements for some companies. A lot of them are product-based. And if he recommends the product or a certain kind of product, um, like he did a advertisement for a CBD, I remember a while ago, and it wouldn't surprise me if that would be one of the best, if not the best uh, brands of CBD that you could buy on the market right now, um, given what the, what the uh, length is on that um, specific type of product right now. Um, and by length, I mean like access, access to, 
Um, I think this is a good thing. Uh, a lot of it has to do with addiction, um, which I think is good. I mean, it's just like marijuana, like it's a plant. Um, it comes from the earth and I mean, it's just, it's, it's plucked, it's used and that's it. Like there's nothing to it. It's not like cocaine where it comes from the leaf and then they do a bunch of shit. They put a bunch of chemicals into it and fucking bring it into the kitchen and everything and have to do all that shit with it. And it's, it's like a toxic drug. Um, I mean, everything is toxic to an extent. You could die from drinking too much water, but, um, I, I think this is a good thing. Um, if it became, cause wait, wait a minute. Didn't Colorado, I talked about this a while ago, I think. Um, I think that Colorado legalized mushrooms as well. Didn't they? Oh, they decriminalized them. Okay. So I, I think there's like a little bit of a fine line between legalizing and decriminalizing. Um, I remember when they decriminalized, I believe that New York decriminalized um, marijuana. So you're just going to get, I don't know if it's in effect yet. Um, because let's be honest, you'd walk by people and they'd be sneaking it on the street. But um, I think now it just comes with like a hefty fine if you're seen doing it out in public, which is good. I mean, you shouldn't, let, let's just be honest here for a minute and say that all of this stuff would be legal if for one, like corporations didn't have anything to lose by it being legal. And um, two, if people could just conduct themselves in a mature manner while using this stuff. I hear a lot of like older people if I mention um, legalizing marijuana, and by the way, I'm all for it, even though I've never done it. Um, older people will have the argument of, oh, well, yeah, I did it when I was your age, but I would never think to get in a car if I'm high. Like people, they think that people would do that, which, yeah, some people would. Um, and, and some people will when it becomes legalized. But it's just, I mean, there, there's a system in place and there, there's going to be laws that are going to be in place around these things. And if people can't conduct themselves in a way that they can do this and just hang out at their house or like the park or whatever until their high goes away, then like, yeah, they, they shouldn't really be allowed to use it. Um, I mean, other than like corporations and laws and stuff, a lot of the stuff that we're restricted from in this case is because people just aren't smart or mature enough to use it in a way that they could get the benefit from it. And then when it goes away, they could go back to life. Like, you know, same with alcohol. Shouldn't drink, then drive. There's laws put in place to kind of counter that if it's discovered. Um, I mean, it would be the same way with all this, but um, it, it's going to be, I mean, if Tim Ferriss is buying it and he did the research for it and there's, there's a lot of other wealthy people that are behind it and are interested in getting it um, kind of pushed out into society. Um, it's probably going to happen. Let's be honest. 
um, these are the, the people, quote unquote, that run the country. Um, so when they, when they get behind something and they get a institution as prestigious as Johns Hopkins to um, do clinical research into this kind of stuff, I mean, it's a pretty, you got a pretty good bet that it's going to have an outcome that a lot of people are going to approve of. Um, where is this here? Okay, so the, the fundraising for the John Hopkins Center was driven by Tim Ferriss, um, who said in a telephone interview he put aside most of his other projects to advance psychedelic medicine. It's important to me for macro reasons, but also deeply personal reasons. Uh, I grew up on Long Island, and I lost my best friend to a fentanyl overdose. I have a treatment-resistant depression and bipolar disorder in my family and addiction. It became clear to me that you can do a lot in this field with very little money. Um, which apparently to Tim Ferriss is $2 million. Uh, Mr. Ferriss provided funds for a similar center at Imperial College London, which was introduced in April, and for individual research projects at University of San Fran, testing psilocybin as an aid to therapy for distress in long-term AIDS patients. Uh, the spiritual father of psychedelic medicine was the chemist Albert Hoffman, who discovered the effects of LSD in 1943 after accidentally, sure he did, ingesting it while working for, at the Swiss firm Sandoz. Dr. Hoffman had at least one bad trip. Everything in the room spun around in familiar objects and pieces of furniture assumed grotesque, threatening forms he wrote afterwards. But he also recognized his problem child, which he referred to the drug as, uh, as a potential therapeutic agent. Uh, this is a New York Times article, by the way. So did a host of prominent doctors in time. Beginning in 1960, the renowned Scottish psychiatrist Dr. R.D. Lang gave LSD to patients, some with psychotic disorders, and used it himself. Through the 1960s, other prominent psychiatrists experimented liberally, including Dr. Stanislav Grof, Dr. Humphrey Osmond, and Dr. Abram Hoffer. These treatments showed promise for some problems like alcoholism, but the results were mixed, and dosing someone with psychosis would never clear an ethical review committee today. Um, just as, like, I mean, people are so uneducated on this stuff um, that, like, they, they make a big deal about CBD still. Some people do. Um, by 1970, acid-related compounds had become part of a dangerous menu of street drugs and government crackdowns bringing research to a near halt. Other mind-altering recreational drugs like psilocybin, the ingredient magic mushrooms, and MDMA or ecstasy also landed on the list of banned substances. The revival of interest began in the early 1990s when the FDA agreed to approve careful, well-designed, ethically vetted studies of psychedelics for the first time in decades. Hefter Institute and the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, or MAPS, a nonprofit funded by an assortment of wealthy donors, financed projects in the United States and abroad. MAPS collaborated with Dr. Hoffman and Alexander Shulgin, a former Dow chemist who discovered the effects of ecstasy and with his wife Anne experimented with scores of hallucinogens. I bet they had fun. Experiments using ecstasy and LSD for end-of-life care were underway by the mid-2000s. Soon therapists began conducting trials of ecstasy for post-traumatic stress with prominent results, or promising results. Sorry, One of the most influential scientific reports appeared in 2006, a test of effects of a strong dose of psilocybin on healthy adults. In that, in that study, a team led by Roland Griffith at John Hopkins found that the volunteers rated the psilocybin experience as having substantial personal meaning and spiritual significance and attributed to the experience sustained positive changes in attitude and behavior. Um, 
I mean, that's good. And if you were to microdose that every day, I mean, like, people take multivitamins. A lot of people take multivitamins every day. So what would be the big deal if you microdosed just enough psilocybin to kind of level out whatever those anxieties, stressors are that kind of holds you back in having a good productive day? Um, well, I'll tell you what the disadvantages are. The, the disadvantages are that there would be pharmaceutical companies that make drugs to try to combat that stuff that uh, would lose money because of it. So it's going to be it's going to be a rocky road. Um, but I mean, is there side effects? Yeah, probably if you take enough. But what's the big deal if you microdose it? Um, I believe the whole point behind microdosing is that so you get the the calmer side of the effects and can still function. Um, yeah. I would have to read a lot more into this, um, which I think I'll have the opportunity to do just based on how small the books are that I'm reading right now. So I could kind of get a little more information on this stuff. Um, and not, not the whole thing with Johns Hopkins and everything, just the, um, just looking into the ideas of microdosing and psilocybin and seeing what it's done, um, to people in the past, what it's done for people in the fat past, um, and then, I mean, even this whole thing with decriminalized magic mushrooms in um, Denver could be very well a, a case study um, for for the case. Um, but I, I just, I think it's good. I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, if it got legalized, yeah, I'd try it out. Why not? Um... I mean, if it was legalized, I'd really try anything out as long as it didn't really fuck with me. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm going to wrap up now. I think this is kind of short. I hope it wasn't. I apologize if it was. No, I'm going on 40 minutes. It's not too bad. Um, like I said, I'm going to do a another podcast on meditation sometime soon. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be. Um, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Um, we'll just kind of see what I got going on and then I'll go from there. But, uh, other than that, I'm going to try to start blogging again. Um, maybe about all the, okay, there's the idea. This is the one instead of just reading stuff, and absorbing it on my own, because um, I'll journal a lot when I read shit. Instead of just journaling, I'll start doing blogs on that stuff. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start doing blogs about the shit that I read. Uh, yeah. So um, tune in to that, that wolfmedia.co blog sometime soon. I'll let people know when I post stuff. It's my podcast. It's my my blog. I can do whatever I want. So, um, other than that, I have no ads. I'm demoing a uh, um, a beat for the the intro and outro of the podcast, and I'm not allowed to 
monetize the podcast if I'm going to be using um, someone's beat that I haven't yet paid for. Um, at least that's the, the boundaries that they put in place. So um, I have nothing to offer for now. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, look into some of the stuff that I talked about, kind of get your own information on it. Um, I, I know that some of it can be controversial and some of it can be something that is kind of close to home. So I hope I didn't uh, frazzle anyone. I don't think I did. Um, my views aren't radical at all. So uh, other than that, it's Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a great work week. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.